Can you discover the reason for the shuttle disaster? You're in the frozen north, panning for gold and hoping to strike it rich. When you hear the news, a Soviet space shuttle has mysteriously fallen out of orbit and is heading for the Yukon. You rush outside just in time to see it crash beyond a nearby ridge, and you wonder if the cosmonauts are okay. You have to think fast. Will you race to the shuttle to investigate, or turn back to get help? If you decide to check out the shuttle, turn to page 15. If you decide to return to your cabin and radio for help, turn to page 42. But be careful. The crash site may hold unexpected dangers. You may come face to face with an alien life form, or you might stumble upon a lost gold mine and end up richer than your wildest dreams. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star. 16 exciting endings. Choose Your Adventure, Book 101. Alien Go Home by Seddon Johnson. Illustrated by Leslie Morrill. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage Choose Your Adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. Hey, cover's okay. I don't know. I like it. I wish it was an alien spaceship. But yeah, it's definitely. definitely not an alien spaceship. I don't know why it says alien, except maybe there's aliens. Maybe like the thing. Please, the thing. Although there's having, no snow. We've been having a good run of uh, previously owned books, though. This yeah. one is owned by Aaron Davey. Uh-huh, yeah. Or perhaps Aaron and Davey. Like two brothers sharing a book. Conjoined twins. Oh, yeah. That's the headcanon going on in my <laughs> life. Well, conjoined twins, Aaron and Davey, you're... Uh, you're not getting your book back, but thanks. Yep. Yep. Um, so Seddon Johnson, she's written one other book for us, which was uh, South Pole Sabotage. Mm-hmm. The one where she seemed mm-hmm. to have trouble determining distances. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, there were Russians in that one, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and cold. Lots of Russians recently. Yeah. Well, we books. were coming out of a Cold War with them. and Sure. Sure. You know. They were in the popular culture quite a bit around that time. Rocky had just beaten the shit out of them for us, so. Single-handedly winning. The Cold War. The Cold War. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Defeating Um, Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren? who isn't a Russian. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's Danish, I think. Swedish, something like that. (laughs) Um, But this is her second and last book in the series. We won't see her again. Hmm. Did she go on to something else, maybe? I'm sure she did. Unless she got to like a car wreck or something. Her spacecraft oh. fell out of the sky. I don't know. Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures that you may have while you are panning for gold in Canada's Yukon Territory. From time to time, as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you have are the results of your choices. You are responsible because you choose. After you make a choice, follow the instructions to see what happens next. Think carefully before you make a decision. A Soviet space shuttle has mysteriously fallen out of orbit. 
somewhere in your search for gold, you may come in contact with this spacecraft. And if you do, your new friend could be your new enemy. Good luck. Dun, dun, dun. Enemy mine. <laughs> Starring Dennis Quaid and... God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Louis Gossett Jr. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You've hitchhiked over 6,000 miles and bummed passage on a fishing trawler for another thousand when you finally get up to the bush. Where the fuck do we live? <laughs> Florida. <laughs> That's 6,000 miles away from Alaska, right? We're the kid from South Pole Sabotage. We're just coming back from the South Pole. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's cool. <laughs> you finally get set up in the bush of Canada's Yukon Territory. Sourdough, an old geologist and prospector who we was... We are. Sh- <laughs> We're the kid from South Pole Sabotage. Who was a shipmate with you on your Uncle Ben's ocean research vessel. Hell yeah. The uh. Pole Star. <laughs> Did we die in that one? Yes, we fell into a, a computer and electrocuted ourselves. <laughs> Has invited you to spend your summer vacation with him, panning for gold. His home is an old log cabin hundreds of miles from the closest town. While you were on the Pole Star last summer on an expedition to the South Pole, Sourdough spent hours telling you about his mining adventures in the Yukon. You had visions of striking it rich, but so far all you've gotten for your time, wading in icy streams and slewing mud around in your gold mining pan, has been a few flecks of gold colors, as he calls it. Sourdough kids you about this in a good-natured way, chuckling over how a gold digger the likes of you can't even earn enough pay for a stack of pancakes. Then he slaps his hand on his knee and roars with laughter. But you're pissed. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even pay for your passage there. You had to hitchhike. During the day, while you're out panning, Sourdough spends his time rambling around in a search of the lost glory hole gold mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what they called it. Yeah. (laughs) In the evenings, while he talks on the ham radio to his friends from all over the territory, you realize it takes a special breed of person to live in the Yukon. (laughs) A crazy kind. Like Sourdough always says, make one mistake up here and it'll be your last. You arrive back at the cabin late one afternoon. Sourdough tells you he's been listening to the shortwave radio all day while you've been out. Listen to this, he says. The Soviet Space Administration has announced that radio contact with the newly developed space shuttle was mysteriously cut off eight hours ago. That voice and those words don't go together. (laughs) I'm enjoying it, though. Yes. They reckon the shuttle has fallen out of orbit and is headed way off course. They're unable to figure out whether it will continue on aimlessly into outer space or crash land someplace on Earth. You are frying up a couple of moose steaks for dinner when you hear an excited voice on the radio say that the Soviets are now predicting the shuttle will come down somewhere in the Yukon. Ours comes down in snowy spots. They're Russians. It's true. That's, I'm pretty sure that's how Russia got populated in the first place was space shuttle crashing into a snowy <laughs> spot. Did you know that they armed Russian cosmonauts with double-barreled shotguns? I don't. I think I did know that. Because if... There was no, there was no um, really set landing procedures for them, so they could land anywhere in Russia and have to fight bears in order to get out of wherever the fuck they're at. Nice. 
Well, like phase one's done. Here's phase two. Yep, fight your way back to civilization. Here's a shotgun. Bye. (laughs) Also for those pesky aliens that may or may not board your ship. Yep. Wow. So if this ship crashes and we find it and there's no shotgun in there, she didn't do her research. Fake story. Mm -hmm. Fake news. You don't waste a minute. Lend me your binoculars, sourdough. I'm going to climb the ridge across from the cabin and set up my own shuttle tracking station. <laughs> I mean, we were a spy in the last one, right? So No, we weren't. We were hanging out with research, scientists. Right, yeah. scientists. But there was some, like, military. Yeah, yeah was the, the Russians. Russians. Right. You jam into your backpack your sleeping bag, a flashlight, a greasy moose sandwich, and a pocket tape player. Oh, I can Moose must be so chewy. I love the the image of a greasy moose sandwich yeah. makes me think that the the Sandwiches moose itse- antlers. No, that the moose oh. itself was greasy. <laughs> it was just a greasy moose. <laughs> if I see anything, I'll signal you in Morse code with the flashlight. I almost read that as moose code. Moose code. Sourdough shakes his head amused. That's plumb like looking for a needle in a haystack, he chortles. But go on ahead. Before he can even finish his sentence, you're long gone, headed for the ridge. You scramble up to the ridge, wolf down your sandwich, and then curl up in the sleeping bag to keep warm. In the Yukon at this time of year, the days are very long. The sun barely dips below the horizon, and the stars are poking out. It all looks so beautiful. Suddenly, you see something. A brilliant pinpoint of light overhead flares against the gray evening sky, getting larger and brighter. You look through the binoculars. It's the shuttle. You wonder how the cosmonauts can hope to make a safe landing anywhere in this region. Then you realize they must be headed for Caribou Lake, which is just over the next ridge. You watch as the shuttle descends steadily and finally disappears below the ridge. You prepare yourself for the flash of a huge explosion, but there isn't one. Quickly, you start racing down toward the landing site when you remember Sourdough. You should remember Sourdough. He was such a sweet man. Remember Sourdough? You should let him know what's happened so he can call the authorities on his radio. You flash a message with your flashlight in the direction of the cabin, but you get no response. Come on, Sourdough, wake up! You yell several times from the ridge. Wake up! He's probably asleep, you realize. You should run back and get him. You might need his help. On the other hand, the cosmonauts might be hurt. Perhaps you should run to the shuttle as quickly as possible and see if you can lend a hand. If you decide to return to the cabin, turn to page 42. If you decide to run to the shuttle, turn to page 15. Well, they have shotguns, according to research, so... The fact that we didn't take a radio with us is... I know, stupid. Um, I mean, he clearly has a radio in the cabin. Yeah. I'm more inclined to go and uh, see if the cosmonauts are okay. Yeah, agreed. Because I am damn sure that there aren't going to be any aliens hanging out with sourdough. Mm -hmm. What a piss poor planning that is. Just to be like, well, just willy nilly screech screech and land that thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just thunk it to the ground. You grab your backpack and start running toward the shuttle as fast as you can leaping over bushes and rocks. Tree branches slashing at your face and hands. We sure are getting scratched up. <laughs> Here we are. Last couple books. Uh-huh. At the top of the next ridge, you catch your breath and look down on Caribou Lake. 
The shuttle, badly mangled but still in one piece, lies at the end of the Long Finger Lake. The what? The Long... The Long Finger Lake. Finger Lakes. Okay. (laughs) Its nose crumpled by a stand of pines. As soon as you reach the shuttle, you go directly to the flight deck, where you find the bodies of three cosmonauts. Realizing you are too late, you start to head back to Sourdough's cabin to inform the authorities. (laughs) Good job. Good Jesus. They're dead, all three of them. Suddenly, you hear a moan coming from an adjacent compartment. You poke your head in and locate a young cosmonaut about your age rubbing his head. Hello, fellow youth. (laughs) Hello, 12-year-old. Don't move, you shout. Let me check for broken bones. I'm okay, me friend. I'm just dizzy from this blow on my head, he says in a heavily accented English. I am Petior. What happened, you ask? As you help him hobble out of the shuttle. You won't believe it, Pietor answers. Petior explains that while they were in orbit, his Soviet crewmates detected something unusual on the ship's radar. Realizing it was too small to be a satellite, they reasoned it was debris left by some other spacecraft. Analysis of the radar returns showed the object to be perfectly round, not much larger than a soccer ball. When they checked with Moscow, the Soviet Space Administration ordered them to take it on board. Not great. (laughs) At first, it only made weird garbled sounds. It was some language, but one we had never heard before, Petior explains. His voice odd. His voice O-D-D or A-W-E-D? A-W-E-D. Okay. (laughs) Both apply. Mm -hmm. Then, like the sound you get when tuning across international broadcast bands, it began to speak in a number of different languages until it spoke Russian. When we replied, it talked to us. What did it say, you asked dubiously. Don't forget to drink our Ovaltine. (laughs) It asked many questions. What were we? Why were we there? Why didn't we compute? It was bizarre. Then it demanded to be released back into orbit. So what happened? It then rolled over to the computer, stuck out mechanical arm, and plugged into our system. Suddenly, we were powerless. It cut off our communication and took control of shuttle, forcing our ship to abandon orbit. Oh, it killed them. But where is this soccer ball, you ask, not believing a word of the cosmonaut's story? And where's your double-barrel shotgun, you bastard? (laughs) Here, out of the shuttle bay area, bounces a metallic ball with a voice as loud as a foghorn. Swiftly, it rolls to your feet. A shutter slides back, revealing a series of bright lights that blink in rhythm with its voice, which is emitted out of a circular grid on the bottom. Glebe Fogbo on planet Earth. What planet are you from, you ask? You reach down to touch the sphere, but it bounces away like a playful puppy. Don't touch me. Glebe sent from Termania to do term paper about planet Earth. Fuck off, Pedo. Keep hands away. (laughs) It points south with a probe. Take me to L.A. now. (laughs) Awesome. I want to be in the pictures. (laughs) This must be some sort of joke, you say, looking at Petior. No, he answers. 
This robot caused my shuttle to crash. It's totally a joke. He's no joke. No. <laughs> we no. Russians don't play joke on you Americans. The sphere shouts insistently, Glebe to L.A. It's not over the next hill, you know, you say desperately, trying to buy time. We can't move until the rescue helicopters arrive. Then we'll turn you over to the proper authorities and they'll fly you there. No, they won't. Oh, no. I mean, Area 51's close-ish to L.A. <laughs> yes, humans will take Glebe Fogo to L.A. as soon as possible. Important information available there. The sphere starts emitting a low hum, a vibration that slowly gets louder and louder. You cover your ears, but the sound seems to enter your head, reverberating within your mind. Your instinct is to run away, but you are also very curious. Perhaps you should stay there and see what you can find out. If you choose to run away and escape from the sound, turn to page 56. If you try to appease Glebe Fogo by calming it down, turn to page 86. I'll stay with this robot. Yeah, this feels like a dumb choice. Like, it feels like the only option here is to hang out. Like, this didn't even need to be a choice. Like, run away and then the story's over because, like, what else are you going to do? Go pan for more gold? Yeah. yeah. Let's I, figure out if he's a Dodgers fan or what's going on with the LA thing. His best brunch I ever had was there, so maybe he wants to go to good brunch. Mm. He just wants to get an agent. <laughs> Gotta get that agent. Okay, okay, you win. I have a great idea for a cheers back set. <laughs> okay, okay, you win, you say to Glebe Fogo, trying to appease it. When what? Glebe asks, abruptly changing to a chirping little voice. Showcase number one or showcase number two. <laughs> huh? You exclaim. I know what's going on here. How do you know that expression? Have you been watching TV from space? You bet your sweet bippy, it responds. <laughs> Glebe loves TV. Glebe loves movies. Glebe loves Los Angeles. Petior, are you all right? You ask, noticing him shake his head. I'm not hurting, only how do you say it in English? I'm very confused. You see what I mean by bizarre. Take Glebe to L.A. <laughs> the shrieks from the metallic sphere almost knock you over. All right, you answer. We're going. Now you got to hitchhike to L.A. <laughs> I mean, we made it this far, so. Yeah, we're pretty successful at hitchhiking, so. Yeah. It's just a road trip. You and your Russian friend and your alien buddy. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> sitcom. Turns into, it turns into a sitcom. Yeah, you can pitch this when you get there. Is it After Alien Go agent. Home is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> you quickly scrawl a note telling the Mounties where you're headed and tape it to the half-hinged door of the shuttle. Off to LA? Dear the Mounties. <laughs> they have a helicopter? Come find us, please. LA or bust. <laughs> then you say over your shoulder, come on, Glebe, let's head out. Together with Katior the three of you start climbing the ridge to the southwest. Glebe does not like to roll over rocks and through mud. Pick me up. Glebe wants to be carried. <laughs> it commands. <laughs> Carry me, white boy. <laughs> You'd like to try kicking a field goal with this metal soccer ball, but instead you pick it up and put it in your backpack. 
We'll head over the ridge, follow the stream, and eventually arrive at Pickaxe, a town on the banks of the Yukon River. If we can get a boat from there, we can go to Dawson and catch a plane to L.A., you explained to Glebe. Peter, do you have your passport with you? Right. <laughs> now, why have we not, like, gone back to Sourdough now? This would be the appropriate oh, no, time to do so. Yeah. This he's, is way more exciting. He's way out of the story now. <laughs> yeah. We left a note. <laughs> For the Mounties. Besides, who said Sourdough can read? <laughs> <laughs> As you give Petior a knowing wink, you are both hoping the rescue teams find you soon before you get too far from the site of the crash. I like how this guy's just going along like, this thing killed its crew, his buddies. <laughs> yeah, no and shit. he's like, well, I guess I'm going with you guys yeah, to he, LA. He didn't even have to go. He could have stayed and waited with his craft and his crew. And, uh-huh. I, <laughs> I have a spec script for my two Earth dads. <laughs> Are we there yet? Glebe asks for the hundredth time. For fuck's sake. Power off. Power off. You've only been walking for a half hour. It's a long way, Glebe. It'll take us at least four days to get there. Humans only have two legs, you know, you say with a sigh. You put on your headphones and listen to your Walkman in order to drown out Glebe's irritating chatter. The Russian can listen to him. Peter is furious. You can't even share a headphone back then. Peter pulls out his shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) And places the barrel in his mouth. (laughs) Petior signals that he would like to rest. You take off your backpack and place Glebe on the ground. Glebe then begins to protest so much you put your headset back on and turn the music up even louder. Put the headset on him. Petior, you can use my extra headset if you wish, you offer. You have an extra headset, but you didn't bring a radio with you. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to jack into? He signals that he would prefer to eat, then catch a nap. Take Glebe to L.A. You turn around, Petior is writhing on the ground, covering his ears, and yet you don't hear a thing. Glebe, you shout, realizing that the pulse of the vibrations can't penetrate the music you're listening to. I'm going to listen to my music now, so leave me alone. We'll get to L.A. as soon as we can. Please don't cause this Russian to stroke out. Music. Gleeb loves music. Rock and roll. Rhythm and blues. Country and western. Rap. Let Gleeb hear music. Don't break my heart. My achy, breaky heart. (laughs) I just don't think you'll understand Gleeb. It rolls over to you and tries to stick its probe into your tape player. Wow. (laughs) Dude, you gotta ask first. Yeah. God, buy me dinner first, man. (laughs) No way, you say firmly. You get nothing more from us until you stop beaming that signal of yours. Those pulsations hurt us. Look at Petior, Glebe. He's in pain. And you did that to him. You hustle over to Petior. He's holding his ears, but he seems to be all right. Glebe rolls along behind you and nuzzles up to Petior. Glebe is human's friend, it says in a pitiful, squeaky voice. Except for those ones on the shuttle. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck those guys. (laughs) Friends don't hurt each other, Petior explains. People have feelings. Don't you know about feelings? Turn to page 23. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. I compute the word feelings, Glebe replies. 
On our planet, we have soft bodies and feelings when we're young, like humans. But after we live 400 years as flesh and blood, a Termanian computer copies our brains, memories, and personality along with vast stores of extra information. Then our computerized self-clones are assigned to explore space and study other civilizations. It is a great honor for Glebe Fogo to collect information on planet Earth, even though you are pretty far down on the list of space intelligence. <laughs> I get the feeling that this is the story that they told Glebe to get him off the fucking planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of a Zim sort of situation. Kind of an invader Zim sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> So what have you learned, you ask hesitantly. I have studied electromagnetic radiations that your planet emits. This gives me a true picture of the state of your civilization, how your society works, its values, and its intelligence. In 30 years, you guys will be fucked. <laughs> you call these emissions television. From processing television, I know planet Earth very well, Glebe responds. Only the American, though. Uh-oh. You think out loud. But Glebe, you don't understand. Television is not really... Well, it's not real life. It's not the way that humans really live. Glebe ignores you, chattering away. Take me to Vanna. I want to spin the wheel. Turn to page 79. Oh, is that show that old? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm pretty sure that both Vanna and Pat Sajak were Are hosting they? that show when I was like six. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I remember. That's true. I remember that was eight, visiting. 99, yeah. Yeah, I remember visiting my grandma's house and watching it there, too. So, hmm. what have you gotten yourself into, you wonder? Glebe will probably try to control you and Petior again with the pulsations, you realize. Here, Petior, you say, handing him your extra headset. Keep it on for insurance. You can plug it in whenever you have to. You let Glebe probe into the outlet of your tape player. Glebe stops talking and becomes an amplifier. Rock music echoes through the Yukon Hills. And by rock music, I mean Van Halen. <laughs> yep. Jump. <laughs> Go ahead and jump. I mean Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> oh, what a feeling. I understand feelings now. <laughs> yeah. That's a song about cocaine. <laughs> it's a song about cocaine. Cocaine equals feelings. Want cocaine now. <laughs> Take me to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> you say we're going the right direction. After a while, you hear the sound of helicopter blades. Relieved, you race out into the open and wave the copter down. Two men signal back. When they arrive, they're not very friendly. Well, they're we're Canadian. They should be friendly. <laughs> we're here to take that thing to the Russians picked up in space. Wait, what? I don't know. Canadian, we're here, think Canadian. We're here to take that thing the Russians picked up in space? Yes. Okay. Oh. We're I here. thought you said we're here to take that thing to the Russians picked up in that's space. What, okay, that's what I thought it was reading. As, okay. We're here to take that thing the Russians picked up in space. Government orders. Huh. I am not a thing. I am Glebe. I have feelings. <laughs> the thin one of the two says. Somehow you don't believe him. Glebe cuts off the music. Take Glebe to L.A.? It asks. <laughs> sure. Sure, little ball. Anything you want, the other man says. He's big and fat and bald and has a red beard. With that, Glebe rolls over to the helicopter and bounces in, gurgling all the way. 
He's your problem now, boys. I was going to say, what do we care? Yeah, right. <laughs> you two want to come along, the big man asks you. You're not sure who these men are or what you should do. Your first thought is to get Glebe away from them until you know who they really are. On the other hand, maybe you and Petior should go along with Glebe and find out what it is they want. If you decide to go along and protect Glebe, turn to page 27. If you think you should get Glebe away from these men, turn to page 39, and those are the only choices. Yeah. Damn it. We can't just abandon him? There's no Glebe. choice to abandon him. Glebe is not our fucking E.T. Apparently mm. he is now. Damn it. Um... I'm actually kind of curious to go along. Uh-huh. Me too. I mean, I feel like if we go along, though, we lose the opportunity to go to L.A., which could be a fun adventure on its own. I feel like we, if we try to get him back, they're just going <laughs> to kill us. Yeah. Yeah, but Glee might too. save you. Maybe. No, yeah, he, could, he could become our E.T. I don't know. I don't think we're going to L.A. either way. All right. So go with the guys? Yeah. Okay. We're going to go with the guys. See then. what nationality these guys turn out to be. You don't want to leave Glebe alone with these two men, so you opt to come along. After a long flight to the coast of Alaska, the red-bearded man takes you and Petior along to a door built into the side of a hill. That's not good. Welcome, he says. To Jurassic Park! (laughs) L.A. is not here, Glebe chirps. Take Glebe to L.A. Glebe, don't use your signal, you whisper, hearing the pitch of his voice rise. Not yet, anyway. This is the most sophisticated and luxurious space research center in the world, the Thin Man boasts. In Alaska? We monitor all space programs from here. This is where our technicians are trained. We have gourmet eateries, a tanning spa, indoor tennis courts, and a movie theater. What's your purpose, you ask? You don't like the sound of all this. Simple. We are outer space consultants, the man replies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's not a job. I was going to say, how did that not show up on my job profile when I was in like middle school? Right. <laughs> his smile showing several buck teeth. He hands you his several. Bu- Don't you only have two? No, nope. several. <laughs> Four. Okay. He hands you his business card. The name of the company he works for is Spaced Out Inc. <laughs> Space liaison. This feels even more janky than I thought it would be. (laughs) That figures, you think. Let me show you all around, the red-bearded man says, grinning. The three of you follow the man along several corridors and down an elevator. The door opens into a large room lined with banks of computers. Several men are seated at desks working at keyboards. Your host introduces you to the scientist in charge, Dr. Wacko. Seriously? With two Ks? Like Wacko, Ryako, and Dot? C-K-O. Uh-huh. Glebe starts beeping. It rolls over and plugs into a computer bank. What's it doing, Dr. Wacko cries out. <laughs> it's fucking your computer, dude. It might destroy our databases. He rushes over and tries to pull Glebe away, but he's unable to do it. Good luck with that. Glebe is probably just sucking up information. It was sent here to study our planet, you tell the doctor. So, the thing really is an alien, Dr. Wacko says, his eyes popping. We didn't think we'd find any. You two seem to have some control over it. Why don't you become my assistants and join our little organization? You'll be richly rewarded. Hmm. It might be panning for gold, but then again, you still don't know who these people are or what they want with Glebe. What? what? It might be panning for gold? It might beat. 
beat. Okay. All right. If you decide to work for Dr. Wacko, turn to page 29. If you refuse, turn to page 35. Oh, fuck. I would like to be a space consultant. All right. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, let's be a space consultant. I mean, poor Russian guy's just along for the ride at this point, it seems like. Well, he gets to be a space consultant, too. I guess he doesn't get to go home. Technically, he's more qualified to be a space consultant than we are. Because he's actually... Been to Cosmos. space. Yeah. Watched his friends die. <laughs> we'll work for you, you tell Dr. Wacko. The doctor flashes you a grin and whips out a... Uh, How do you that sentence? And whips out a complicated contract that he has okay. you sign. Now, tell me about this alien, he instructs. It It's not exactly an alien. It's a computerized clone from the planet Termania, you explain. It is kind of nice. It even likes our television and our music. Nice, it's annoying. Well, we'll have to see what we can learn from this device you call Glebe Fogo, the doctor says. He turns to the man with the red beard. Hustle me up a television set, quick! (laughs) Minutes later, Dr. Wacko turns the dial on the television to a music station. Glebe immediately goes wild. MTV! (laughs) Glebe exclaims and rolls over to plug in. I want my MTV! Back when they played music. It's 1990. They haven't played music for six years. <laughs> <laughs> While the music blares and Glebe is distracted, the doctor tries to insert wires into Glebe, but with little success. <laughs> Glebe is obviously getting angry at being disturbed. Wires begin to short out and showers of sparks start to fly. Leave Glebe to his stories. As if you're to blame, Dr. Wacko angrily commands you, Control the alien right now or you won't get a paycheck. I need to examine this device so I can get the information it has stored inside. My company can sell it. We're talking megabucks. Think of it. The secret of life. The mysteries of the universe. How to travel through time. Maybe even a cure for acne. Why is every fucking character in this book fucking obnoxious as hell? Because I'm reading them all as obnoxious. (laughs) No, I think they would be obnoxious regardless of how you're reading them. Okay. You get Glebe under control by singing a lullaby. Dr. Wacko wheels in. When did we figure out that that was a thing? Dr. Wacko wheels in an operating table. (laughs) Okay. That escalated quickly. (laughs) You pass out headphones from the supply closet to everyone so that if Glebe starts pulsing during the operation, you'll all be protected. Fingers crossed that the thing turns into the sphere from Phantasm. Oh, that would be swell. Then you notice that the doctor has a complicated-looking drill in his hand. Hey! It's <laughs> complicated-looking. Yeah. It's a drill. What do you think that table was for? Hey, what are you doing, you ask? <laughs> it's a hand drill. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to worry about, the doctor says. Just a little brain surgery. Before you can stop him, Dr. Wacko switches on his drill and presses it against Glebe Fogo's metallic skin. When the drill penetrates Glebe's outer shell, a probe arm suddenly springs out. In one sweep, it knocks all the headsets off you and the others. Besides being paralyzed by the throbbing pulse in your brain, you notice a poisonous green gas starting to seep out from the hole in Glebe's skin. Yeah, no kidding. 
and it smells awful. Oh, you cry. Good. As everything around you is rapidly shrouded in a green mist. Your final thoughts before you collapse are of sourdough and his warning. Make one mistake up here and it'll be your last. You've made several, you realize. But you don't have to live with that knowledge for much longer. The end. Who will take leave to L.A. now? (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Jesus Christ. I don't even know where to fucking begin with this. I liked that one. It was fun. I kind of liked it, too. It was okay up to a point. I mean, Glebe was annoying as fuck, but Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of the point. I was fine with Glebe. It's the whole Dr. Wacko thing that fucking... Well, it was his name. (sighs) That was our choice, though. Yeah. It was just like everything was just taken out of our hands at that point. It was mm-hmm. just like here. I mean, once we agreed to work with him, it was just like, no, I'm going to act like a fucking idiot. Yeah. I mean, there was the option to not work with him. Sure. It had, it had it, I felt like it had a decent amount of choices up to that point as well. Yeah. Uh, that one moved pretty like quick. Yeah. Like it didn't leg on and on like some do. I yeah, I feel like I would have rather gone to L.A. than dealt with any of that other shit afterwards. I mean, I'll be, but I don't think it would have let us. No, I don't think Look I Look for a palm guys. tree. Is there a palm tree photo? Because if there <laughs> is, then we're in L.A. It's not a bad book. It really depends on your threshold of annoyance. Yeah. I had uh, two sisters and three brothers, so... <laughs> your threshold is high. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I think Dr. Wacko is a bridge too far. Like, I can't give it a strong recommend, but I, I'd say it's worth checking out. And spaced out. <laughs> right. And the fact that fucking Peter doesn't seem to give a shit about his dead companion right. seems like, really oh, weird, let's too. Just go along with yeah. you. Well, he was hiding in the closet, so. I guess. Just, just along for the ride in any situation. Yeah, he doesn't actually serve a whole lot of purpose, as far as I can tell, so. Except to introduce us to the fucking alien, which technically we didn't need him to do that. So There do appear to be a couple of possible L.A. type uh, things. Yeah, I fully expect there has to be some sort of an L.A. storyline in there because they make such a big deal about it. <laughs> How interesting is that to like a 12-year-old, though? I mean, 12-year-old me would have been Dude, really interested. Yeah, <laughs> I would have probably totally kept reading and rereading that until I had not one but many incredibly daring experiences. Yeah. Just yeah. searching for that LA. I'm not sure that any of the experiences there are incredibly daring though. You shut your whore mouth. Then. <laughs> <sighs> Fine. Just, just clench my face like a fist. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I give it a hard recommend. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you want to check out more Choose Your Adventure stuff, go to CYOA.com. If you want to check out more stuff of ours, go to IncrediblyDaring.com. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. The end. The end.